Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Amen. Good morning. It's good to see you. If you're online, good morning to you this morning. I got a question for you. Have you ever watched a movie as a kid and then re-watched it as an adult and had a completely different experience? The year was 1975, and I wasn't born yet, but there was a movie that was put out that would shape my childhood, and if I were to be honest, it would shape me still today, because I can't get into the ocean without thinking about this movie, and you know which one it is, right? Jaws. I I can't do it. It it, it grabs me. It it brings back memories. I can't walk in with I can't even hear the music without... You remember that music, right? Play that music for me again. Come on, right? It it does something to you, right? Uh Uh-oh. It's the trumpet or whatever that thing is, right? Is it a trumpet? I don't even know. But whatever that is, it gets you, right? It grabs a hold of you. I don't care. I'll still admit it that when I hear the music, something is moved in me. But something happened about a month ago. Jaws was on TV, and I thought, you know what? This would be a good night for Jackson and Ellie and I to watch this movie. I mean, I love them. And I don't want to ruin the ocean for them, but it's Jaws, right? They've got to take in the magic of Jaws. So I turned it on, we grabbed the popcorn, and I began to tell them about the chills, the nightmares, of how I cannot enter the ocean without feeling scared. But then something happened as we're watching the movie. The kids did not nearly have the same experience as I did. They actually were kind of punks about it, that they had the audacity to tell me that it was kind of stupid and it didn't look very real. I mean, how dare they? I mean, how dare they talk down to what grabs their father's heart and his soul and his mind? I mean, but here's the problem. I think I had to agree with them in that moment, right? I mean, I still think that I will think of Jaws every time I get into the ocean, because that's deep in the psychology that I don't care what counselor I go into, it's not coming out, right? But my new experience with the movie has reshaped what I think about Jaws. And now this experience reminded me of something really important, that we experience things differently in different seasons of our life, don't we? You know, just because you thought something 10 years ago doesn't mean you think the same way today, which made me rethink or think about our fall series, This or That. Because this fall, we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit, right? We're talking about the the character traits, the spiritual traits that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in us. And I know if you grew up in the church, you heard about the fruits of the Spirit probably many, many times. 
And it's because of that that I actually was a little insecure, okay? Totally vulnerable. I was a little insecure at the beginning of this series because while I know that I felt God was leading me down the direction of this series and I'll always follow that direction, I still had to think, these people have heard the fruits of the Spirit so many times, I imagine. You know, like we have, we have wrestled with the ideas of the fruits of the Spirit a million times. But then God reminded me of that same lesson, of how we experience Him in different ways in different seasons of our lives. How we relate to the fruits of the Spirit when we're 10 is different than when we're 20, right? How we relate to God when we're 30 is different than when we're 20, when we're 50 and 30, 7, 50. We, we get it, right? Like, like, life changes. We have different experiences. We are different as years go on. So as we continue today, I want to encourage you with that. I want to encourage you with that truth. That whether you've heard Galatians 5 you know, freedom and the fruits of the Spirit we've been walking through one time or a hundred times. I think God wants to speak new truths to us in a new season in our life. See, when Paul says we've got a decision to make, we've got a this or that decision to make of how we're going to use the freedom he is wanting to give us, those decisions are different no matter what new season you are in. So we're going to keep going today. We're going to go into week four of this conversation, but I want us to have a shift in our mindsets, or I want us to remember something this morning that maybe we can approach today, maybe we can approach the rest of this series with a mindset that says, what does the Holy Spirit want to speak new into me, into this new season? Whether I've heard the fruits of the Spirit a hundred times, or this is your first time, what does God want to speak? What does the Holy Spirit want to speak and produce in us in a new way? So let's go Galatians 5, our text, our foundational text for this fall. Galatians 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love. We've been down that road. Joy. We were there last week. Peace. This is where we land today what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in us, grow in us, is peace. And this may be perfect timing for someone today. Because who of us would love to have a little more peace in our life right now? When I say that though, what is the picture of peace for you? What's the picture of peace for you? Is it maybe this first one, is, it, is, it, is this your picture of peace? Hallelujah right? I could use a little more of that in my life. Or, or maybe it's this one. It's, it's out, oh man, you look at that and you're like, oh, sweet, sweetness right there. Or maybe it's not that, maybe it's you just curling up in a book. You're like, this is where I find my peace. Or, or maybe it's not that, maybe it's, maybe it's the next one where it's just working outside with your hands. You just like to get outside and, and this is where you find your peace. What is your peace? picture of peace in your life. Now, as I ask you what your picture of peace is, I'm going to, ask, I'm, I'm going to say something. What if, what if I were to push you a little this morning and said, whatever your picture of peace is may not actually be peace. 
What if your picture of peace may not actually be peace? Like, what if I pushed you and said what your picture is may be more about a peaceful moment than it is actually peace? What if I pushed you this morning and said what people think of it peace is actually more of an escape? What if I said, what if most people do is they settle for a surface level peace in life that's actually more of a distraction than it is real peace? And here's why I say that. I believe real peace isn't something you run to, but something that's done in us. And I believe most people or many people run their whole lives from one thing to the next looking for peace, but peace isn't something you go and find. It's something that is always available right in front of you, wherever you go. Peace is not something you escape to, but something you can live in no matter where you go. That's how I think of peace. And from Galatians 5, what I think is, as I see, Paul believes that peace can be found in our lives. He wouldn't have said the fruits of the Spirit is peace if he didn't think that you could experience it. But my question is, like, how did Paul view peace? How did peace change how he lived his life? Now remember last week, if you were here, we read uh, Philippians chapter four, verses four. You remember that? It was rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, because we were talking about joy, right? Well, Paul isn't done in Philippians giving advice and words of wisdom to the church. He continues in verse six and seven. This is what he says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything, but present your requests to God, and what will be produced is peace, and this peace will guard your minds and guard your hearts. But he's still not done yet. If you read in Philippians 4, he continues on. You've got verse 11 through 13. He says, I have learned to be content. Doesn't the word content have this peaceful kind of, they kind of coexist, so they kind of can be in each other's place. I, I've learned to be peaceful, maybe I could say. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in, in, in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Now, context again, right? Context. Where was Philippians written from? I told you last week. Where are most of Paul's letters written from? Prison, right? And what we see in this part of the letter, um, I didn't read this part, kind of in between. What you see is 
that people are trying to take care of Paul. People are really worried about Paul. He's sitting there in prison and life isn't good, so they're trying to do things for him. And do you know what Paul's response to this was? Thank you. Thank you for trying to take care of me, but I want you to know something. I've learned to have peace, whatever my circumstances. Thank you for trying to take care of me, but I want you to know something about my life. I've learned to have peace, no matter my circumstances. And as I read this part of his letter to the Philippians, I I believe what he's trying to tell the church is that, that he has learned something. The work of the Holy Spirit has done something in him where he can experience life in a different way that many of us do not experience. What has happened in him is he's learned that his situation doesn't have to dictate his peace. Paul's like, my situation doesn't dictate my peace because I think what he knew was the secret of life that Jesus had told the disciples a few years before. What we see is, uh, is that Paul comes after Jesus, and, but he's heard the words of Jesus before. I have to believe that. And I think he would have learned or heard the words that we have read in John chapter 16, verses 33. And what Jesus is telling the disciples in John 16, 33 is, is something right before he's about to be arrested. He's speaking to them right there in John 16, Right before he's about to be arrested, before he's going on trial, before he's going to be beaten, before he ultimately dies. And what he wants to do is he wants to prepare them for life. He wants to prepare them to be ready because things are about to get bad. And so he wants to make sure they know and are ready for what's about to come. Because he doesn't want them to fall away from what he's taught them. And he, he doesn't want them to forget what they've experienced. Because he loves them. Jesus loves his people and he wants them to know how they can walk through what's coming next. And so what we see at the end of this powerful conversation that Jesus has with his disciples is John 16, 33. And he says, I've told you these things. Okay, I had this conversation with you. I told you what has happened. I told you that, that, that things aren't always going to be great. And he says, I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Why? Because in this world you'll have trouble. But he says, take heart, because I have overcome the world. I told you these things so you have peace because you're going to get into some troubles. Life is going to be tough. And it's in these few words, I think we see the heart of Jesus for his people. It's kind of like a parent. It's kind of like a good parent that knows your kids are about to experience something tough and you can't take away their experience, but you want to prepare them for the experience. You love your kids so much and you wish you could just say, I'll go through instead of you, but you can't. So you say, be ready and you pray for them and you hope this is enough. But as all good parents do, you say, hey, but I'm here for you. I'm right here for you. 
Well, Jesus is not a regular parent, right? And he not only can say, hey, I'll be here for you, he can actually say to them, hey, you want to find peace in what you're going through? I'm not only here for you, what you need to walk through that in a peaceful way is actually found in me. What you need is actually found in me. You're going to go through a bunch of stuff, but look, I care about you. I'm trying to prepare you. But what you really need is me. And this is not the only time that Jesus talks like this. See, John 16 mirrors a conversation that happened maybe just a few weeks before. It's a couple chapters before where he says to them, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't not, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So you've got to see what's going on here in this moment. Is up to this point, the disciples, they just had in their mind that they were going to win. They attached themselves to Jesus. They were bought in. They were going to win. It's only just a few moments for Jesus would turn the tables on the ruling class and then they would be restored. Israel would be restored. The Jewish people would be restored. But here Jesus is telling them the raw and real reality of life is you are about to walk into trouble. It's not going to be easy. And he's preparing them. In these conversations, he's preparing them. But the funny thing is, is he shouldn't have to prepare them again because, well, they should have already known this. They'd experienced a lot with Jesus. And they should have known it wasn't always going to be easy. And they should have known, hey, whatever comes our way, he's got us. Like it should have been cemented in their mind, whatever happens to us, it's okay because Jesus has our back because there's so many stories, stories and experiences, experiences like Mark chapter four that you've probably heard before, but this is real life for the disciples. And verse 35, he says, that day at evening, Jesus said to his followers, come with me across the lake. So they left the crowd behind and went with Jesus in the boat. He was already in. There were also other boats that went with them, and a very bad wind came up on the lake, and the waves were coming over the sides and in the boat, and it was almost full of water. Jesus was inside the boat, sleeping with his head on a pillow. And the followers went and woke him. They said, teacher, don't you care about us? We are going to drown. And Jesus stood up and gave a command to the wind and the water. And he said, quiet, be still. Then the wind stopped and the lake became calm. And he said to his followers, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now they were afraid and asked each other, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the water obey him. See, where we were was right before Jesus is arrested, right before he is killed, he is like preparing them with those final words. But to be honest, he'd been teaching this lesson to them the whole time. He didn't need those final words. He was teaching them the lesson the whole time. There were moments like this where they had to know that life gets scary, there's moments like this where they would have experienced life gets overwhelming for them. 
But Jesus is there. He told them, in this world, you're going to have problems, but you've got to take heart because I am here. And I have overcome the world. I mean, experience after experience, they would have seen that the world gets tough, but he's like, I am here. And I have overcome the world. Look, I have everything you need. And I imagine for the disciples that this intellectually grabbed them, but emotionally sometimes isn't that hard to play out in our lives? I mean, can't we relate to the disciples in this story? Because haven't you had a storm in your life before? Maybe there's a storm in your life right now. It could be a big one, it could be a small one, but you just feel the storm around you. And you can say with verification that, yeah, Jesus, life gets tough. The reality of life is there are storms, but can I tell you this morning, can I remind you this this morning about another reality? Yes, the reality is there are storms, but there also is another reality in our life, and that is the presence of Jesus. That sometimes we forget that the reality of a storm and the reality of the presence of Jesus can coexist. That intellectually, we tell ourselves this truth. Intellectually, we can tell other people this truth. But sometimes when it's personal to us, isn't it hard to tell ourselves this truth? Because haven't you said the words before, Jesus, don't you care about me? Jesus, where are you? Jesus, like, where have you gone? Why aren't you here? Jesus, you said you'd never leave me or forsake me, and all I'm feeling right now is very alone in the middle of the storm, and you have the emotion that disciples have is, Jesus, don't you care about me? This is what our emotions tell us in the middle of the storm, no matter what our head tells us. And what happens is it's in these moments we forget the truth about what Jesus said what the deal Jesus made with us was. He says, in this world you have trouble. That's his words. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I, I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. This is what Jesus says. And maybe this morning I want to remind you the same thing I've reminded myself over and over and over, and that is that Jesus offers peace but not the absence of pressure. Jesus, in his words, offers us peace, not the absence of crisis. In Jesus' words, he's like, I offer you peace, but not the absence of pain, or confusion, or fear, or heartbreak, or doubt, or uncertainty in life. I'm offering you peace, not the absence of troubles. Nowhere in my words am I saying, come to me, and now you'll get the absence of what the world brings. He says, no, what I bring is different than the world. I bring you peace. But it doesn't mean he's taking away the other parts. And here's the problem. When we forget this, we begin to question God's presence and his ability to give us peace in the middle of the storm. And when we forget or, or we don't believe that he can do that, this is when we run to other things or to cope, to cope or to escape, 
to a different reality, which goes back to what I said at the beginning of the message. That sometimes I think what we think is peace is really just peaceful moments, but it's not real peace. It's just things that we're escaping to. And sometimes these escaping things are really unhealthy for us. Sometimes these escapes really are destroying us. That I know the reality of life. We don't want to show it to each other, but some of our escapes are to drugs or alcohol, and they're destroying us. You know this is around us, people. I've got to escape reality. I've got to escape the truth of my life, so I'm running to alcohol, and it's destroying us. Other ways we escape, we escape, escape to like sexual desires, and these sexual things end up destroying us, but that's our escape. We escape to, to uh, financial decisions where we make choices that are beyond our means and we end up destroying ourselves any, even more because this is the only place we can escape to is spending money on things to help us forget or leave reality. Sometimes we escape to inappropriate relationships and it destroys us. But the reason is because we're escaping to things because deep down we don't believe that we can really find what we need in Jesus. And this is where we can find a release. We can find our escape. But maybe even more truth for this morning is that some of our escapes, they're not unhealthy or wrong in and of themselves. They're not unhealthy or wrong until they take the place of Jesus. Escapes to the beach. The picture's great. The time is wonderful. But is it replacing Jesus? Our escape to the outdoors, our escape to, to reading books, like I said, to, to, to working outside, to, to Netflix, to social media, to whatever your escape is, they're not bad on the surface. But if in your mind this is the only time or only place you can find peace, then we have to evaluate some things. Because what if your escapes are taking away the chance for Jesus to be your peace? Maybe the escapes aren't totally terrible, but what if your escapes are taking away or taking the place for Jesus to become that peace that he says he wants to give you. And this is where I turn to where I said I would bother you all semester about. That by the end of the semester, I hope you're not sick of it, but I hope you never forget it. And this is the John 15. John 15, where he says, remain in me. I then will remain in you. This is how things are produced because the fruits of the Spirit cannot be produced outside of the consistent presence of Jesus in your life. We have to keep going back to this because we're like, Scott, how do I get peace? And the answer always seems to be the same. Remain in me and I'll remain in you and I'll produce different, a different life in you. Real, deep, life-changing, life-healing peace cannot be produced outside the consistent presence of Jesus and through the obedience of Jesus. Which is why I think Jesus ended his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, with a picture of how life can it be experienced in a different way. Matthew chapter 7, if you don't know it, it's the end of Matthew chapter 7. Jesus basically says, if you build your house on me, 
The storms will come, but you will stand through it. Or maybe for this morning purposes, it's if you build your house on me, but the storms will come, but even still you will remain at peace because I have overcome the world. If this is the truth of Jesus, he just spoke that this is the most amazing message. And at the end of it, he's like, so are you going to listen to my words? If you build your life on me, this is how you live in what I want to give you. And he's already told them in many places, I want to give you my peace. But the opposite is true as well, isn't it? If you build your life on sand, if you build your life on the escapes, if you build your life on the distractions, if you build your life on anything but Jesus, the storms will come and we will be destroyed. These are the message of Jesus. He has just spoken to them. How many words Jesus has spoken throughout the gospels to us? And he's like, listen, if you want to live in what I've been offering, if you want to live in what I came to give you, then you decide. It's a this or that kind of question. What are you going to build your life on? How are you going to try to experience peace? Is it going to be on Jesus or anything else? And sometimes isn't the most simple answer the right answer? That don't we complicate life so much that we forget the answer that's right in front of us? God, how can I feel your peace? He's like, you don't have to go anywhere. It's right there. You don't have to escape from anything. It's everywhere I am, and you can't go anywhere outside of me. It's right there ready for you. It's my peace that I leave you. It's my peace that I give you. I don't give as the world gives. I've got it right here for you. But if you're going to build your life on something else other than me, what you should expect is to not feel peace. At the beginning, I asked you, what is your picture of peace? I want to give you a picture that I, God has kind of shown me and has been working in my own life what it looks like to have a Jesus-centered peace. Will you show me the picture real quick? Here's the picture. But you won't know what I mean Look at, you won't know what I mean until we look deeper into this picture. Show me the second one. We go back to the first one for a second for me. No, go back to the second one. In the middle of these raging waters around, I know it's hard to see because we're, we're, because we are blurred in and we, we're, we're, we're focused in, but what that is is a bird. Right in the middle of this waterfall. And I looked at this picture and I'm like, this is what I want my life to be like. This is what I want your life to be like. The waters are raging all around and there is in the middle of it is a bird peacefully sitting there. The bird isn't flailing its wings, isn't looking chaotic. And I looked at this picture, go back to the first one again. 
And I'm like, look at storms come in life. And this may be the picture of your life right now. That may be the reality of your life right now where it's just like just crashing all around you. But the second picture can also be a reality. You can be right in the middle of it and just resting. That maybe this morning for you, it's reminding you that you're not gonna avoid the storms, but it's okay because Jesus sees everything you're going through and he wants to say to you, you can be just like this, that you don't have to be chaotic, you don't have to be losing your mind, you don't have to be flailing, you don't have to be uncertain, you don't have to be in fear, you don't have to be in doubt, you don't have to be any of those things because you can rest in the middle of it because he is right there and he has overcome the world. And so this morning, I want to invite you to what Jesus already invited you to. If you're part of One Hope, you know at any point or every service, there's at one point a, a prayer. Sometimes that's in worship, sometimes that's a end, sometimes it's both. But I want to invite you into the words that Paul said that I read earlier. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all of our understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Jesus. And so we're going to end in worship today. But I don't want us to leave this room without seriously asking ourselves, is there something that's grabbed a hold of my life and I'm not living at peace and I need to trade whatever this is for the peace of God? And throughout the history of the church, we've had these moments and why we have these altars up here where we just come forward and say, God, I'm going to give this to you and I'm going to walk away with what you want to give to me. And so I'm going to offer that to you today as we worship at the end. Now, last week after service, um, a, a couple that was new came up and they said, Scott, we really enjoyed the message today. And, and I offered at the end of the service, after talking about joy, I offered for people to come up you know what they said to me? They said, Scott, but we're new and we didn't really know how people respond to this and people didn't come up during that service. He said, so we wanted to, but we weren't sure. And I said, do you know how this works? Typically in a group, someone is the first courageous one and then other people follow and I said, listen, I bet if you had to come forward, you would have given someone else the courage. So, so I'm going to tell you today that something in your life is not peaceful. But I know where peace can be found. And I don't want you to leave today with that same weight when you can leave it in the hands of Jesus. That you can trade your lack of peace for his peace today. Don't be anxious about anything. Present 
your request to God. And what is produced is a peace that will transcend your understanding, that will protect your mind and your heart. That is what's offered today. Heavenly Father, you are a loving God. You sent Jesus to give us peace in this earth. You've given us the Holy Spirit that wants to do a work in us. And peace is a byproduct of your presence in our lives. But sometimes, God, we need to come and just give it to you, literally give it to you and say, I want your peace. So, God, will you speak to your people today? Will you bring peace into this room today? If people are watching or listening online, may you bring peace to their life today. May they have a posture of bringing their requests to you. And may you do the work that only you can do when we remain in you. You produce peace in our lives. And we ask for that today. In your name we pray. Amen. Will you stand this morning? And will you respond as the Holy Spirit speaks to you? Because he wants more for you. So what I want you to walk away from today is reminding you. You don't have to escape to find peace. You don't have to take another vacation. If you do, have a great time. But you don't have to do that to find peace. You don't have to seclude yourself and escape the world to find a peace. There is peace that is found in Jesus. And that is not a cliche. If you don't believe that, then what are we doing? Jesus is not just where we find our salvation. It's where we find our peace in life. And that doesn't always feel like a reality. It can feel like life is the storm, is the raging waterfall all around you. Like, how do I get out of this? But you can find peace in that and it has nothing to do with you has everything to do with the work of the holy spirit that does in us so grab a hold of that this week god i don't feel at peace i bet you don't so come to me god i don't feel at peace i bet you don't because in this world you're going to have troubles now come find it in me so this is the prayer I'm going to speak this week to myself, and you're welcome to join me. Every day I'm going to say, God, thank you for a new day. I can be with you. Today I'm asking you to help me find and live in your peace, no matter what storms I experience. Help me live in a peace that transcends my understanding. And as I learn to live in your peace, will you use my life to point others to Jesus, who is my source of peace? Thank you for what you are doing in my life. Amen. And so this week, you don't feel peace? We're good. You can go to where peace is found, but it's your choice. Are you going to build it on the escapes? Are you going to build it on the distractions? Are you going to build it on what you're running to? Are you going to build it on Jesus? And this is where you'll stand no matter what storms come your way. 
fruits of the Spirit are love and joy and peace. And that's incredible. So I hope you have an amazing week. I hope you live in it this week. And I hope you'll be back next week as we talk about the next thing that God wants to do in our lives. I love you, and I'll see you soon. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.